God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we'll look at today comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. It's that well-known parable of the prodigal son. It is a little longer reading today, so we'll have you just remain seated for our Gospel reading. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave, gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of our Lord. Condemnation is one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has in his arsenal. And he uses it in different ways. For those who are overwhelmed by sin and guilt, Satan will use condemnation to try and drive them to despair. And he may not even have to say a word. He simply lets the verdict of God's law and the voice of our own conscience 
do most of the talking. He wants to convince us that this condemnation is the final word on the matter of our sin. That there is really no hope for us. Satan used this weapon with deadly force against Judas after he had betrayed the Lord. Convinced there was no hope. There's no question that the same weapon has killed many others as well. For those who are confident in their own righteousness, Satan will encourage them to wield this weapon of condemnation against others. He will convince them that it is the right and godly thing to do to bring this condemnation down on sinners. He'll deceive them into thinking that there's nothing in themselves that's worthy of condemnation whatsoever. And so with this one weapon of condemnation, Satan manages to crush some with despair and crush others with self-righteousness. The only remedy that exists is God's grace. And it works for both of these things. We see this grace shine through so brightly and clearly in this well-known parable that we're going to be looking at today. This undeserved and unimaginable love that the Father has for both the despairing and the self-righteous. It's this amazing grace of our God that crushes condemnation. Let's start by joining that younger son down there in the pig pen. Kind of understand the condemnation that he deserved and the condemnation that he felt. You have to believe as he was sitting there watching the pigs eat, that he was kind of replaying in his mind everything that he had done that had brought him to this point. He had demanded from his father his share of the estate. And since that was normally given only once the father had died, the message that the younger son was sending to the father was pretty clear. Father, I don't want you. I just want your stuff. And it's going to be mine eventually anyways, and I really have no intention of waiting for you to be gone before I get it. I want it right now. How often aren't we guilty of the same thing? When we show that we are more interested in the gifts that come from the Father than in the Father Himself. When our hearts are consumed by those gifts rather than by the giver, we send that very same message to God. Yes, Father, I want Your blessings, but don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that I want You in my life. Maybe we're surprised a little bit that the father in Jesus' story would give in to the son's demand, give him this share of the estate. The neighbors must have thought he was crazy. But of course, we know how loving and how generous our God is. In one of our hymns, we put it like this, to the unthankful and the evil. God pours out countless blessings from his unsparing hand. 
And that seems pretty crazy too. Well, once the younger son had got what he wanted, he set off for a distant country so that he could live it up without facing any judgment from the people that he knew. And of course, it didn't take long before he had squandered all of it. And then to make matters worse, we're told that a famine hit that land and suddenly this younger son found himself completely destitute. The best he could do was to land a job feeding someone's pigs. And based on the fact that he was sitting there envying the food that they were eating, it's pretty clear that this job was not paying him very well. As he sat and looked at that pig's food, he must have been thinking about that pile of money that had just so recently been in his possession. If only I had managed it better. If only I had put some away, saved it, invested it for a rainy day. If only. I'm sure that each one of us can think back, identify some special blessing that God brought into our life, some unique opportunity that He set before us, some time of plenty when it seemed that there would be no end to His gifts. Kind of ask ourselves, why didn't I see that at the time? How did I miss that opportunity? Why didn't I take better care of these blessings that God was given? What a waste. All of those thoughts must have been going through this younger son's head as he watched those pigs eat. And then he kind of came to his senses. Sort of. Condemnation had done its work in his heart, but Satan was threatening to push that condemnation to a dangerous place. To convince that younger son that there really was no hope for any kind of restoration with his father. But as he sat there that day, he knew that his father's hired hands had it better than he did. And so he figured, this is what I'll do. I'll go back, I'll admit what I did wrong, I'll ask my dad for a job. Things will be better. Never seemed to cross his mind that he might be welcomed back into the family. He just figured if he went to work for his father, things would be better than they were right now. In that new arrangement, he could kind of get back on his feet again, turn things around, and maybe show his father that he wasn't so bad after all. Kind of similar to the bargains that we sometimes try to strike with God when we're feeling the weight of our sins. God, if you just get me out of this mess, I'll do this for you. God, if you just relieve the pressure a little bit, I'll show you that I can make things right again. See how condemnation corrupts our view of our relationship with the Father. And of course, that's exactly what Satan wants. See, Satan knows what we often forget, that no matter how hard this younger son might have gone and worked for his father, he could have never undone the damage that he did. And no matter what we might try to make things right with God on account of our sins, it's an impossible task 
we can't make this condemnation go away. But the Father's grace can. You know, if the neighbors were shocked when the father gave this younger son his inheritance early, imagine how shocked they were when after that son had wasted it all, the father still welcomed him back. The older brother was shocked for sure, we know that. See, even though this younger son had forgotten just how intensely his father loved him, the father had never forgotten about his love for the son. He was watching for him. You get the impression from the story that this was a daily occurrence. Maybe first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening, the father would go out and kind of scan the horizon, hoping to see the outline of that returning child. And so when he did, he was ready to act. He didn't wait for the son to make it all the way to the house. The compassion that filled his heart would allow him to wait even a second longer. We're told that he ran to him, threw his arms around him, hugged him, and kissed him. And then, then the younger son remembered just how much the father loved him. And then came the real confession. Almost the same as the one that he was planning as he, as he made his way home. Almost. But this time, no bargaining. He simply says to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. No excuses. No offers to work. Just confession. Just the truth. And look at how the father responded. He doesn't ask him, you know, why did you basically want me dead? Was I not a loving and generous father to you? No. He doesn't say, what about the inheritance? Did you really spend it all? He didn't ask that either. He simply called the servants and said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This son of mine, in front of everybody, after all that this younger son had done, can you imagine how those words filled his heart? See, that's grace. There is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And from that joy flows pure grace and nothing else. We have a Father in heaven who says about his people, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. A Father in heaven who is constantly scanning the horizon, ready to open his arms to his children and welcome us back as members of of his family. And so when Satan works to bring this condemnation to us, to convince us that because of our sins, our place in God's family is lost forever, God crushes that condemnation 
by pointing us to the cross of his son to show us how Jesus was condemned in our place. The Father tells us, He became sin for you. He paid the debt that you owed. He is the one who has now restored your place in my family. The Apostle Paul says it like this, You are all now sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's grace has crushed it. So now let's go out and sit for a little while with the older brother. As he listens to the music coming from the house, as he's seething with anger out there, he was right to be upset about his brother, wasn't he? He just couldn't figure out how come his father didn't share his anger. He wasn't going to go in and join that celebration. The fact is, the older brother didn't love his younger brother the way that the father did. And truth be told, as we look at his words and his actions, the older brother didn't love the father very much either. This was an offense an affront to the Father, to not come in and join that celebration that he was hosting in his house. And now when the Father comes out to him, this older brother is going to try and set him straight. This son of yours, if you want to call him that, he wastes all your money on prostitutes. Whether that was true or not, we don't really know. But the message that the older brother was sending was pretty clear. What's wrong with you, old man? How can you welcome this son back? And why should we celebrate it? The younger son deserved condemnation, right? We already established that. But we see pretty clearly that this condemnation that the older brother was leveling against him, as is often the case, was really just a cover for something else. It was a cover for his own anger and dissatisfaction towards his father. He said to his father, all these years I've been slaving for you. That's how the older brother viewed his father, like some brutal taskmaster. He said, I never once disobeyed your orders, and maybe on the outside that was true, but we know that obedience begins in the heart. And the heart of this older brother hated the thought of being obedient to this father. And what do I get for all my years of slaving for you? Not even a measly goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. But this other son of yours comes home after wasting all your money and he gets the fattened calf. See, this was not righteous condemnation towards his sinful brother. This was unrighteous condemnation of his loving father. Sometimes we fall into that same trap. We feel unappreciated by God, and so we start to call out the sins of others to try and prove how worthy we really are. That 
this for that relationship that the younger son was planning as he made his way back home. That was a relationship that the older brother had been living in for some time now. Only he didn't figure that his father was holding up his end of the deal. We often feel the same way. After all that we've done for you, God, after all that we do for you, God, seems like you could be doing a little more for us. And then we look around and we see how the wicked are enjoying so many of God's blessings. We see sinners come and finding acceptance and forgiveness. We see screw-ups getting second chances. And Satan succeeds. He gets us in our self-righteousness to accuse the loving Father of being unfair and unjust, at least in our view. The only remedy for it is, again, God's grace. The father's response to the older brother was at least as shocking as his response to the younger one. The father went out to him in the field, pleaded with him. Think of that. He should have sent a couple of servants out to grab that older son, haul him into the house where he could dress him down in front of everyone for what he was doing. But he goes out and pleads with him. And look at what he says. My son, regardless of how you feel about me, this is how I feel about you and I always have. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. The love and blessing that I wanted to show your little brother that can never diminish the love and blessing that I have for you. But you see, we had to be glad and celebrate because this little brother of yours was dead and is alive again. And if you come on back into the house with me, there's going to be even more reason to celebrate. When God shows us what's really behind our self-righteous condemnation of others at times, a condemnation of his own love and generosity. Then he comes with his grace and pleads with, with us, see things as they really are. He reminds us, you are my child. You always have been. My best gifts have always belonged to you. I gave you Jesus. My one and only son. He gave his life in your place with the result that you now have an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade. There's nothing you can do, nothing that you must do to earn my favor. Don't you see? You already have it. Look at all that I've done for you. Look at all that I do for you day after day. You are always with me and I'm always with you. You're my child and I love you, God says. And I want you to rejoice in that love that I have for you. And I want you to rejoice in the love that I have for all. So whether it's the condemnation that we deserve on account of our sin, or the sinful condemnation that we direct towards others and sometimes even towards God, His grace to us in Jesus crushes all of it. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.
And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.